Warning! Lucinda's out of town this week, so Noah's even more profane than usual. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by PrayPal, the new online money transfer service for people who just kind of hope the money gets there. It's like Venmo, but it works almost as often. And now, Scathing Atheist. Hi, I'm Steve Carefit with the Sunday Stoic Podcast. And though Marcus Aurelius didn't know it, we did indeed evolve from filthy monkey men. It's May 10th. And the Met Gala has a lot of cultural appropriation to answer for. <laughs> I'm so no illusions. <laughs> I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from New York, New York, Secret Lair, Pennsylvania, this is the Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, Iowa redefines abortion to mean felching. <laughs> Sarah Palin gets appointed to be National Secretary of all the newspapers. Wait, no, it's even dumber than that. <laughs> and Bryce Blankenegel will be here and probably regret it. First, the diatribe. Smell soup. Hey, Christianity, quick heads up here. It's not that you're assholes. It's that you're wrong. I mean, I'm I'm not saying you aren't assholes. A lot of you are. But that's not the reason people are leaving your religion. They're leaving your religion because it's demonstrably incorrect on every factual assertion and fails under even the most modest application of logical scrutiny. There, I just saved you a dozen think pieces a day or so. Now, instead of spending the rest of your lives tinkering with messaging and biblical bowdlerization, you can focus on the more important shit, like finding something important for churches to do. Sorry, had to get that out. I'm not normally much for offering up advices to churches, but I've read something like 900 op-eds this year about why millennials aren't going to church, and not a single one has mentioned the possibility that it might be because they're unconvinced by the bullshit. Conservatives bemoan the liberalization of the church while liberals blame the stagnancy. Progressives say there's too much focus on anti-gay stuff and misogyny. Fundamentalists say there isn't enough, and they never even pay lip service to logic. And what's so funny is that most of the time, the opiner in question sneaks the real answer into their op-ed without even realizing it. For example, I've seen a bunch of articles over the last few months that are calling out evangelicals for not taking a stronger moral stance against Trump. You know, they'll talk about how very, very unchristian he is. They'll talk about the strong support he still has among evangelicals. And then they'll say something along the lines of, and hey, how are we supposed to convince young people to join our church if we're supporting a misogynistic bully? What kind of moral system can we claim to have if we can't call out this kind of immoral behavior? And like, that's not a rhetorical question, right? You, you have a failed moral system. That's the kind that you have. Your moral system obviously doesn't work. Your entire op-ed is laid out proof of that fact. When an immoral action occurred, your so-called moral system failed to stop it and failed to condemn it. And yet, your argument seems to rely on the idea that somehow it's the kids these days that are failing to see the truth. It's not that young people are looking at your churches and misperceiving 
They're looking at them and seeing misogynists, homophobes, racists, and liars all patting themselves on the back over how much more ethical they are than other people. And when they see that, it's because that's what's there. That's what your moral system wrought. But rather than deal with the crisis of faith that admitting that would entail, they invariably choose to rob the generation behind theirs of agency. They'd rather ignore the trend lines that show religiosity decreasing over time without regards to messaging and national attitudes towards gay rights. They pull the rare triple fallacy and mistake lack of correlation for causation, all in a desperate effort to avoid admitting that only an idiot could believe in this shit. Now, consider the generational divide we're talking about here, because it's truly one of the largest in human history. People my age grew up before the Internet. We grow up in a world of restricted information. If you grew up in a Christian part of the world, in a Christian family, when I grew up, all the information was scrubbed to secularism. There was nothing about it at the library or the local bookstores or the local papers or the local schools. We largely grew up with only the information was given to us. Right. So we didn't question it. That's no longer true. So irrespective of everything else, if you accept that the argumentation in favor of religiosity is inferior or even questionable, you'd expect to see a massive uptick in religiously unaffiliated people in the post-Internet generations. And surprise, surprise, that's exactly what we see. Now, consider the flip side of this. Right. There isn't a corresponding mechanism to explain the uptick if you're arguing that people are leaving religion because of the church's bad behavior. I mean, sure, you could argue that the church's bad behavior itself is the mechanism, but that assumes that churches were doing good shit before. Right. Beyond that, people may leave a church because of its bad behavior. They may even leave church altogether if enough of them behave badly, but they wouldn't stop believing in God. You know, if I got a long run of really unethical physics teachers, I might stop going to class, but I wouldn't deny the existence of protons. So as tempting as that explanation might be for them, it doesn't really fit with the trends. People aren't just leaving the church. They're leaving the religion. So if the numbers don't conform to that narrative, why are so many otherwise intelligent people taken in by it? Well, that's a hard question to answer. Not because the answer is hard to figure out, mind you, but because a lot of people don't want to hear it, especially people my age or above. See, there is a problem generation here, but it sure as hell isn't the one giving up on church. You know, that cultural divide we were just talking about swings both ways, right? And people who grew up in the church in rural America had no reason to question what their preacher was telling them. They internalized it. And then when they grew up, maybe the questions eventually started gnawing at them a bit. Maybe they struggled with their faith for a couple of years. Maybe they recommitted themselves to Jesus a couple more times and only emerged from their faith many years later after a long and arduous spiritual journey. But that was an internal journey, right? They stumble out of the labyrinth, bruised and bloody, and they look back on it and they think, man, that was a really hard lab. But in truth, it wasn't right. This isn't hard to figure out. The hard parts were a realizing you were in a labyrinth in the first place and b convincing yourself you wanted to leave. Once you get past those two stumbling blocks, you'll find the exit is clearly marked. Some people can accept that and just marvel at how brainwashed and illogical they really were. But for others, pride won't allow it. They have to convince themselves that the labyrinth really was hard and that an intelligent person being presented with the arguments for and against God for the first time would find that issue difficult to resolve. Now, that fantasy can't stand on its own. So a whole scaffolding needs to be built around it to explain things like why 40% of 20-year-olds already figured this shit out when it took these people until they were in their 40s. But the good news to take away from all of this is that religion is dying. 
and it's desperately trying to stave off its own death. But as long as it remains in such fervent denial about the cause, all we need is patience. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the dynamic duo of disbelief, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to do Commissioner Gordon's job again? Uh, pretty sure beating up mentally ill people wasn't Commissioner Gordon's job, so. <laughs> but it is super fun to watch Eli do karate against himself, so. <laughs> yes, we are ready. Kia, kia, got me, got me. <laughs> In our lead story tonight. The state of Iowa made its already lacking eugenics policy even worse last week when lawmakers guaranteed breeding by even more Iowans Uh. and passed their so-called heartbeat bill, which bans the termination of any pregnancy after a fetal heartbeat is detected. That puts the new line at about six weeks after conception and makes Iowa the holder of the title for most restrictive abortion law in the country. Congrats. Yeah, it's one of those dubious titles like White House Staff or Popular <laughs> Podcaster. You know, you don't want it. <laughs> but, but don't worry, though. There is an exception here for rape, provided you reported it to the police within six weeks. So here's hoping it wasn't your stepdad. <laughs> yeah. For clarity, we're talking about podcasting. With the no, rape. we're not. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Hard segue. So this bill was a blatantly partisan move. The GOP knows that pretty much all that liberal women want to do is kill babies. Um, And this is just pure spite. So (laughs) both houses of the Iowa General Assembly got together last week and passed the new law with exactly zero votes from Democrats. And that's when Governor Kim Reynolds sat down for a photo op next to Iowa's black boy and Latina girl. Um, (laughs) Pretty sure both still had delivery stickers from Jet.com. So it's not even clear they were Iowan. And she signed away the reproductive autonomy of her entire gender. So that was fun. I wanted the doctor from Cries of the Unborn to just rise up from under the desk. I am a woman. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) Yes. So uh, obviously there's been some opposition to the move. What with it being a de facto violation of American constitutional law, Mm -hmm. for example. And the biggest problem is the six week line, which is fucking absurd. Many women aren't even aware of their pregnancy during the first six weeks, let alone capable of getting doctor's appointments, getting time off from work and getting the corrective surgery on their futures. So, yeah, the whole and, thing. And, and if you're curious, uh, according to Planned Parenthood, the number of abortions they do that occur after six weeks is over 99 <laughs> percent. Yeah, you know, there's some guy in Mississippi right now planning a zero week abortion ban that just makes it illegal to pull out. Yeah. Yeah. Or menstruate. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, two votes then. Two votes. <laughs> okay, well, Yuck. yeah, this, this this all sounds horrible, but uh, we came up with a few workarounds, so don't worry. First of all, it says you can't have an abortion after the fetal heartbeat is detected. So if a doctor's checking for that, you're going to want to make a bunch of noise. <laughs> That's the way to do it. And if you can get the guy from Police Academy to make heartbeat noises really loud, like right next to the doctor, that's perfect. Um, also... Think about just doing lines of plan B every morning. Just snort them right up, nip it in the bud just in case. Uh, and if nothing else, a market solution. Just a slow exodus and Iowa's nothing but dudes in a few years. Well, yeah, so there you, there you go. You know, Heath, we don't credit you enough, but only a genius like you could figure out how to make Iowa worse. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll do it. With the uh, sound effects guy from Police Academy. Yeah. <laughs> and in cranking open the bigot spigot news tonight. 
the translucent curtain of separation between church and state got yet more feeble this week after Trump issued an executive order calling for a new even more bigoted version of the White House Office of Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships. Uh, exact quote. I'm guessing exact quote. You're really <laughs> close. Okay. So the office, which has been a dark stain on secular government since 2001, is basically a means of subcontracting social services to churches. This maintains a patina of constitutionality by stipulating that if services have to be provided separate from religious services, the money can't be used for religious activities and the churches aren't allowed to discriminate. And apparently there's something about that third one that rubbed Trump the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, that uh, 14th Amendment, that's been a thorn in the paw of the Trump family for a while. <laughs> right. Now. Yeah, exactly. Like stuff. So Ivanka's just supposed to pick her own cotton. What is this bullshit? Come on. <laughs> so, all right. So let's be super clear here. The EO is skimpy on specifics, but based on what Trump said, the only thing he's looking to change is the discrimination part. He's going to create a new office called the White House Faith and Opportunity Initiative, which will be the exact same thing, except it takes the nod to secular neighborhood groups out of the name and opens the door to rampant discrimination. While introducing the executive order, Trump recited, quote, this office will also help ensure that faith-based organizations have equal access to government funding and the equal right to exercise their deeply held beliefs, end quote. So, in other words, it'll make sure churches keep getting that money from the government no matter who their God hates. Yeah, uh, I actually like where he was going with that for a second, though. I'm very much in favor of churches having equal access to government funding. That'd be a huge reduction in their access. Right. And that would be strong. Sorry, I just want to clarify the part of this committee that the White House had a problem with was that there was too little discrimination. Yes. Well, exactly, because they had to provide the social services to women who had abortions and men who loved men and shit like that. And like I said, even without the coded homophobia and the deeply held beliefs bit, this office was well worth getting pissed off about. I, I mean, we don't have much in the way of details yet, but every indication is that it'll be the old Office of Establishment Clause violations on steroids. According to the Washington Post, one of Trump's top faith advisors said the point of the new office would be to create a culture less concerned with trifling things like church-state separation barriers and, quote, all of these arbitrary concerns as to what is appropriate, end quote. <laughs> Hate crime, not a hate crime. These are the trifling matters slowing the good work of the folks over at the looks down at hand White House Office of Faith-Based and Neighborhood yeah. Partnerships. <laughs> now, I should be clear that despite the slathering praise he gets from the evangelical community, Trump basically let this office die from neglect up to this point. He never appointed a head of the agency. Their website disappeared. So up until now, he's accidentally been handling this correctly. The fear, though, is that now he's basically going to be making his loose coalition of batshit crazy Christian extremist advisors an official body. In a recent press release, American Atheist summed it up as, quote, an office that would further undermine religious freedom and pour even more taxpayer money into religious groups that are free to discriminate, have little accountability and zero transparency, end quote. A statement I would only disagree with for its adherence to an outdated and inferior comma usage. I fixed it in the notes. <laughs> And in on the take fake Jews news tonight, according to a working study by researchers at Yale University, there are two groups of people who are especially vulnerable to fake news, delusional people and religious fundamentalists. OK, I feel like I feel like Yale should teach people about Venn diagrams. The second <laughs> right? one's a subset, the first one, like 
Trump voters and Jill Stein voters. Potato, potato. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> giant, giant golden crucifix. Exactly. Just nice Yale try. sitting in the audience of a, of a Baba Brinkman show raising his hand. It's very embarrassing. <laughs> nice try, Baba Brinkman. So here's the study. The researchers surveyed 1,000 people and asked them to rate the accuracy of news headlines, some of which were fake and some of which were not. The participants were then tested on their open-mindedness, religious fundamentalism, the Peters et al. delusion inventory, and cognitive reflection. And surprise, surprise, the people who think the government is putting microwaves in their underpants and the people who think a goat demon is the reason for all evil fell for fake news more often. Yeah, uh, I mean, it makes sense right there in the Bible. And Jesus said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, his pile of gold is a Ponzi. <laughs> like and, and look, I mean, it's real sweet and all for psychologists to keep pretending delusional people and people who believe a goat demon is the reason for all evil are separate categories. But a full third of the questions on the Peters at all delusion inventory are basically, are you super Christian? <laughs> they yeah. really are. In fact, fun fact. So much of that is true that the DSM literally has to have exceptions for religious beliefs so that therapist Noah just couldn't go into a church with an armload of straitjackets. Just right. being like, who thinks a ghost knows where they are all the time? And you and you. Do they really have that? In yes. The yes. Yeah, exceptions uh -huh. in the DSM. Wow. Pretty soon that's going to be the last line of Rifra. Just like, okay, and also, uh, P.S., our crazy doesn't count. Yeah, we might as well reason. just codify that existing trend. Yeah. All right, so some caveats to this study so our smart listeners don't tweet things at me that I don't understand. Uh, correlation doesn't <laughs> equal causation. I don't know what that means, but people keep saying it to me, so just keep that in mind. You know, being delusional and religious don't make you believe in fake news. It just... Helps. I think. Well, I don't, that's not, not that either. What either. But their okay. book is. They're still know. gonna. They're still gonna tweet. You. <laughs> potato, 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 giant golden Christmas. <laughs> and in robber baby buggy bumpers news, we might have finally found something problematic about the perfect word of God. No way. Finally, we okay. Might have done it. Yeah. So, as many listeners have no doubt experienced, as members of the atheist community. We often find ourselves presenting arguments about why the Bible might be dangerous. But let's be honest, we're mostly being nitpicky assholes, right? Okay. I mean, Noah, you don't have to take that. <laughs> you do not to take that. No, I'm just saying, like, bats are pretty much birds. Pi is really close to three, if you think about it. <laughs> the etiquette of beating up your slaves is important. But today, <laughs> we have a new argument for you that might actually work in that situation. A woman in North Carolina was using Bibles... To steal babies. What? Stealing babies is dangerous. Okay, so are we talking like Indiana Jones style stealing babies or, hey, the book says I could smash him on the rock style stealing babies? <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, is Indiana Jones style where you like switch them out with an equally heavy bag of sand? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Babies worth in Bibles. Wow. So I oh, tried to do it to <laughs> Thomas. It didn't work. <laughs> Wife is strong. I don't know if she does body stuff or adrenaline. That's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's all the types of baby stealing. So according to a spokesperson for the new Hanover Regional Medical Center, a Christian lady named Linda May Everett managed to sneak into the neonatal unit of the hospital without any credentials last month. Apparently, she just walked up to the desk holding Bibles that she claimed to be giving away and their security team was like, yeah, great. All the newborns who need some reading material, they're right in there. Go ahead. 
We're going to go back to pacing back and forth on this small platform together very slowly. They're just like, exclamation point. No, no, Bibles, Bibles. It's okay. And a lot of people are giving the guard shit, but I get, I totally get this. Like, hey, lady, are you here to steal babies? And she pulls out a Bible. Would you like to hear about our Lord and Savior? He's like, never mind. You came in with those babies, right? I feel like you did have four babies when you walked in here. I get it. Yeah. So uh, just to be clear, nobody had their baby stolen this time, but it was actually super close. Ms. Everett claims she's not a baby stealer, uh, just like innocent people have to clarify all the time. Like, I'm not a baby stealer either. Well, let's all just declare day. it right now. None of us are baby stealers. I'm not a baby stealer. But um, no. Eli's saying nothing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <That too. laughs> regardless of what Linda May Everett said, authorities in North Carolina are pretty sure she's been going around to hospitals and definitely trying to steal babies using Bibles. And if all their evidence wasn't enough, this lady's terrifying, blatant lie excuse pretty much seals it. She told reporters, I'm pregnant, a retired firefighter, and had to bury a child. How does any of that, like, she might as well, she might as well deny having a pee tape at the end of that. Like, what the fuck does any of that matter? She clearly Susan Smithed it up, oh, and now she's trying to steal a replacement kid who isn't shitty like the one she obviously killed, right? I mean, that's clearly yeah. what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I know what it's like to be banned from a maternity ward. Her for stealing <laughs> babies, me for pretending to be a lactation aide. Linda, I get it. Let's start a support network. I'll list my cell phone at the end of the thing. Hold Talk this through. And in But Did It Stop Raining news tonight, we finally have an answer to all those angry emails we always get about us never covering stories about the Andean polytheism of the ancient Chimu Empire. And no, it's not because we're afraid of the liberal elite criticisms of terms like radical Incan terrorism. It's because we're racist against Peruvians. It's like they say, the biggest fault line in Peru isn't the Atacama Trench. It's being in Peru, am I right? Let's think of more stinka. This guy, this guy knows what I'm talking about. Okay. I Googled <laughs> racial slurs against Peruvians and it just said, do you mean Mexicans? So, <laughs> that was a weird auto suggestion. <laughs> anyway, so in a reminder of how vast the even worse portion of the religious spectrum is, archaeologists near Trujillo, Peru, recently unearthed a mass grave containing the skeletons of some 140 children aged between 5 and 14 years old who apparently all died in the same event some 550 years ago. The fact that that's the same number of people who told the Australian Royal Commission that they were sexually abused in Pell's diocese is apparently a coincidence, though, even though he's very clearly at least 580. So what is it? It's half plus seven. Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to fuck 290 seven year olds. <laughs> two, two votes. Two votes. No. No votes. So according to the folks who dug this shit up, the reason for the mass infanticide wasn't illness or insanely lax gun control, but rather an effort to convince the gods to make it stop raining, which means they killed a kid. It didn't stop raining. And they tried again 139 times before somebody said maybe a, a dance or something. <laughs> you know? Just Peruvian Eli standing in line at number 141. Just Covered in his own shit. The shaman's like, okay, let's, you know, let's call it a day. Oh, <laughs> man. So remember, boys and girls, we make jokes about atheists eating babies all the time. But the only thing that ever really convinces people to do things like that is religion. Right. And a plane crash in the Alps. They didn't eat babies. Still, you got to wonder how that tradition got started. 
Okay, uh, fourth day of rain now, so I think it's time to start killing some kids. Knew I shouldn't have danced so hard at the rain dance. Hey, Stupid. dude, dude, don't blame yourself. You got to leave it all out there. I do. On, yeah, on the floor. It's, you got the moves. Okay, there. so just to be clear, the plan is to kill one kid a day until the gods are pleased and the rain stops. Ideally, it'll stop raining tomorrow, uh, but if it doesn't, uh, sorry, that's... Sorry, just a quick question. Yes, question. Yeah, it, it just seems like the rain is eventually going to stop no matter what, so maybe we just wait for it. Oh. Okay, well, obviously it's going to stop raining eventually, but we need it to stop raining now. So we got to take a uh, kid. Yeah, sorry, and... I have a question too. Oh, okay. Well, we were going to have a Q&A for the end. Yeah, mine's after just, the... it's a quick piggyback. So could we break, just get, for science's sake, can we break into like two groups? One group does kill their kids and one doesn't. And then we, we see where it stops raining faster. Oh, yeah, I like that. We'll isolate well, that variable. Okay, right. all right. All in favor of, of splitting into A and B groups and testing the effects of uh, kid killing on, on rain? Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Votes. Yep. Okay, okay. Who wants to be in the group who kills the kids, though? Um, I, I think the guys in Oklahoma are down for it. Yeah, we'll get them. Good, good meeting, everybody. I'm wearing face paint. Not face paint. And with the admission that Eli wore menstrual blood on his face, even though this is an audio medium, we'll turn things over for a breaking bulletin from our special correspondent. As listeners may be aware, the theme of this past week's Met Gala was heavenly bodies, fashion, and the Catholic imagination. And while the Vatican gave its permission to the Met and even lent the Institute more than 40 garments and objects from its private collection, that didn't stop Catholics from all over the Internet from crying, of all things, cultural appropriation. Luckily for us, our fashion-slash-cultural appropriation expert Edna the Pugapegacorn was on the scene. Edna, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Noah. It's a fabulous night. So tell us, Edna, what has people so up in arms? Well, Noah, as you know, cultural appropriation was first coined in academic circles to describe when rich people borrow clothes with permission from the most powerful organization in the world. Uh, actually, Edna, I think it's almost exactly the opposite of that. You know what they say, potato, potato, giant golden crucifix. They don't say that. Now, this event is hosted by Anna Winter, so these were sort of a, a fashion variations on traditional Catholic garb. Is that correct? It is, Noah, it is. And what did we see on the red carpet? All right, well, let's see. George Clooney shocked reporters and laymen alike coming in in just the loincloth nailed to the actual cross used at Galilee. Wow. Wow. Bold fashion choice. Yes, but not the boldest by any means, Noah. Sandra Bullock made a literal splash by arriving wearing a tank full of the blood of people killed in South America at Catholic Church-sponsored and condoned political events. Shocking and beautiful. So, uh, any favorites? Oh, well, while everyone is talking about Rihanna's dress made from real Nazi gold, and it was stunning, by the way, my personal pick is comedian Kathy Griffin's choice to wear the premier piece from the Burn and Pell collection by Versace. And what's that? Uh, it's a dildo with a flaming effigy of Cardinal George Pell skewered on it. On the nose indeed. Well, Edna, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you, Heath. I'm Noah. All white people look the same. <laughs> Thank you, Edna. And in March for Wife news tonight, you know, 
There aren't many advantages to Donald Trump's presidency. The fear of impending nuclear holocaust, the erosion of civil rights and democracy itself, as well as the awakening to just what a terrible place 43% of the country is, can all be what we might call a bummer. But there are some upsides. Uh, okay, okay, this is this is a tough one. Um, okay, no, I got it. Our, our steel foundry is doing well, the oh, one that we have. Yes. So we're ready for the Industrial Revolution. Yes. That's good. We are. Uh, the, the, the Keebler elves finally have one of their own running the Justice Department. That's progress. <laughs> The, uh, the Tiki Torch sector, crushing it. <laughs> uh, fewer of our jobs going to China people. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, this this is actually an important one to me. Eli's impression of a white guy president, uh, much better for business, I'd say. <laughs> true. Oh, ooh, true. ooh, ooh. When you reach rock bottom, at least you can stop trying. Okay, you're just reading my tattoo. But. <laughs> uh, those are all good things, but no, I'm talking about the teeny, teeny, tiny marches of bigots. From Nazis to Proud Boys to pro-lifers, inspired by the fact that they won in not at all the sense of that word, bigots in the dozens have taken to the streets over whatever issue ails them over the past couple of years, much to the amusement of anyone who's seen more than 20 people in the same place at the same time. Yeah, usually whatever ails them is the fact that more people didn't show up for their march. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But perhaps no turnout has been sadder or more hilarious than this week's Freedom March in Washington, D.C., sponsored by Christian group Voice for the Voiceless, an organization dedicated to the message that you can pray away your insatiable love for cock. (laughs) Well, it seems like a testable claim, though, doesn't it? I mean, well, I I guess I could see how their experiment might go wrong, though. Everyone gets down on their knees. Some people get a dick. Some people get a priest. And it's <laughs> same results. Yeah. yeah, you can think do that. Do 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 no, do no, that's not even the right sound or effect. Dick. <laughs> let me do See? Oh, we got the music and everything. All right. So, look, there is nothing funny about torturing children and pretending they're straight. But there is everything funny about the video of this event. A, a call and response between an equal number of people on and off the stage is really just a shouting match. And if you need to pick me up today, do yourself a favor of checking out those videos. They are pretty great. It's like Eli doing karate of chanting. Himself. Yeah. Yeah. And in putting the ass back in astronomy news tonight, as much as we love the old standards on this show, the Ken Hams, the Pat Robertsons, the Brian Fishers, we recognize that with the exception of P-Robes, all of those guys are going to die eventually. So we're always on the lookout for new talent. And new kid on the block, Matt Powell, spent the last couple of days basically auditioning for a scathing atheist nickname. Uh, Mighty Morphin Powell Ranger. Okay, no, dial it back. That's way too long. Uh, Powell by Allen Ginsberg. No, that <laughs> I no, that's what. Uh, fat Powell. Okay, just keep workshopping it. Maybe later. Okay. Yeah, we'll, you would we'll, like circle back. To so it. Uh, Powell first came to my attention when his video "22-year-old preacher rants against atheism" showed up on the Friendly Atheist blog. In said video, he identifies the problem with atheists as a playing too many video games. B, drinking too much Coke. C, reading too much Harry Potter. And D, believing in stupid evolution because we don't know how to logic. And I'd love to put those in context with some sort of quote, but honestly, the quotes provide no additional context. No, they really don't. And to be fair, when it comes to me, 
He is nailing it. Right? Yeah, like, right. I'm on book four for the 14th time, and I have two Cokes on my desk that I'm looking at. So it's not. Yeah, not, no, not he, me. he nailed you. <laughs> and the video is amazing, oh, by the way. You got to watch. Like, first of all, he keeps walking out of frame. Yes. And apparently the camera's bolted into the floor with no pivot. It's a giant. I don't know why. So at one point, I'm pretty sure. Somebody chops the camera out of the floor with an axe and then tries to pan over to him. But the camera, again, is way too heavy. The, the camera guy definitely hurts himself. You can Nothing almost goes well. hear it. Yeah, it's the best. Oh, and, and I got to say, by itself, that may not have been enough to make the show. But the following day, he posted a second video where he teaches us how to astronomy. And in so doing, he also so proves that millions of years can't exist. You see... The sun is burning up 250 tons of hydrogen a second, which is wrong. It's actually more like 600 million tons a second. But, you know, well, close enough for sciencing. Thank you. Government won't let me launch my flying hammock. Yeah, come back in a week and a half. That joke will make sense. It's so high as three. It's yeah, pretty much in the right, same ballpark, right. just like pie and So. If you calculate back one million years, though, you see, the sun would have to have been so big that it would engulf the earth. Which isn't even remotely true, obviously, even if you use the real number, which is, again, 2.4 million times larger than the number he was using. Especially considering the sun gets bigger when it loses mass, not smaller. It's a gravitational thing, you fucktard. He also goes on to explain that scientists are also hiding the truth about the moon. And then he starts talking about evolution as it relates to Hitler. Naturally. And the video is four minutes long. <laughs> All right. He's young. He's ambitious. I like right? this kid. I like it, right? <laughs> Honestly, it's so stumbly and all. He's like William Lane Craig at his first open mic night. He's <laughs> so bad. He keeps stopping for applause that don't happen. And then yeah. he just stares and his face gets red and he stumbles. So it's the best worst. Yeah, he was fun. So Matt Powell, if you're listening and let's face it, you are. Yes, we saw your audition tape, and no, you don't get a nickname yet. Matt Foul-brained. Oh. Stupid. No, see, yeah, no. Your best and, one, Anyway, though. anybody can be crazy for a couple of videos, but if you keep insaning at this level, you'll be M. Powell in no time. Until then, we're just <laughs> going to call you job security, bro. Irritable Powell syndrome. Oh, there it is. Oh, there we go. This is why I hate being the new guy <laughs> who is considerably worse at the job. <laughs> And in sex, head of a goat, body of a woman, wings of an eagle. Great pun. Nailed it. <laughs> I did an awesome job. Senior what? litigation counsel for Liberty Council, Mary McAllister, appeared on the YouTube show USA Survival this week to let us know who's really behind sex ed programs in public schools. Gentlemen, any guesses? Uh, uh, Jews. Uh, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> Mercury. Hillary. Uh uh, Michelle Obama's triceps. Ooh, good one. Um, th th the top, the top. Lead, lead. Ooh, close, close. It's Satan. Oh well, I said Hillary. <laughs> yeah, it's just no, that's true. Half Satan. credit. Triceps so McAllister, nice. who looks like Slimer, decided to stop haunting that hotel and follow the Grateful Dead around. Was asked <laughs> why her. She really does. Like Google, yes, it. no. it's amazing. She was asked Irish. why her Twitter bio claims that she's working to, quote, stop the satanic sexualization of our children, end quote. And since she couldn't say, because I'm a fucking Looney Tune, this was her reply, quote, 
God has made us all in his image. He has set out for us rules for living that enable us to live rich and full and healthy lives, which anybody who looks at Mary can see is untrue. Anyway, (laughs) that or she's doing like the opposite of what God said. She looks like Kathy Bates being turned very slowly into Snoop Dogg. (laughs) And then turned very quickly into every person in a jazz scooter right now. (laughs) Ending on Lunch Lady Sam Kinison. Lunch Lady Sam Kinison. All right, remind me why she couldn't just say, because I'm a fucking Looney Tune? Uh, Too honest. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. She goes on, quote, and all of this that is going on now, she means sex ed, by the way, is directly aimed at tearing all that down. We know who does that. That's the enemy. That's Satan and his minions, end Mm -hmm. quote. Yeah. And so (laughs) while you all picture Satan showing a bunch of giggling middle schoolers how to put a condom on a banana, I'll turn things back over to Heath. And finally tonight, surprise move last week, Donald Trump announced that he's planning to appoint a Muslim doctor to be part of the president's council on fitness, sports, and nutrition. Ooh. And uh, it's not Barack Hussein Obama, if that's what you're thinking. Trump decided to go with, instead, the most famous bad doctor in the country which, of course, would be Ben Carson. But Carson's busy buying the Hope Diamond as a paperweight in his office at Housing and Urban Development, so he can't do it. So Trump settled for Mehmet Oz. Oh, my fucking God. Also known as Dr. Oz from his horrible nationally syndicated pseudo-medicine TV show. <sighs> okay, we really have to start making jokes about winning millions of dollars and dating Scarlett Johansson, guys. We really... <laughs> new rule, right? It's got... I mean, how like there there is so much shit that the Trump administration actually does that Snopes has to put up a no he actually did this thing right there's yep. too much of that yeah the the article I used for this started with no this isn't the onion this yeah. is a real thing that happened <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, just in case anyone's not familiar with the Doctor Oz show it's basically an hour long live action version of an online whiteboard video that. You can't navigate away from without like shutting down the power to your entire house and the <laughs> blocks grid. It's so fucking bad. And according to a study by the British Medical Journal, more than half the recommendations on the show are made up nonsense yep. with no reliable data to back them up. This includes debunked fad diets like green coffee extract and uh, also entire fields of bullshit like Faith healing and Reiki and homeopathy and psychic communication with dead people. Mm-hmm. And that's why Dr. Oz is the all-time leader in Pegasus Awards, which are given by the James Randi Foundation. And they're essentially the Oscars of pseudoscience fraud nonsense. And immediately after starting his TV show, Dr. Oz got back-to-back Pegasi for specific bullshit claims. And then he eventually got uh, basically their lifetime achievement award right. for just general refusal to face reality. Yeah. I mean, that award, the statue is lovely, but the rule is they put it in your house without permission. You got to pretend it's not there. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Randy continues to ignore my suggestion on where they should put it. <laughs> okay. So, feels like that was plenty of reasons to never hire Dr. Oz to do science anymore. But, Arguably, the worst thing about Dr. Oz would be ooh, ooh, the... I uh, am so I am so excited. I'm sorry. There are literally 600 ways to finish this sentence. Wait. <laughs> yeah. There's so many things that you might be about to say. A lot of good arguments can be made, but I would say it's the egregious homophobic bigotry that was built into one of his episodes and probably his brain. The show was about 
gay conversion therapy and presented that practice as one of two potentially valid sides of a scientific argument. Oz, he never gave his personal opinion during the show, but that means he either believes that gay people can be cured of, of gay or he knows that's a horrible piece of religious propaganda, but still refused to fucking say right. anything on the show. Either way, I, I guess nobody should be surprised that he's been chosen now for a high-level position by the fucking Trump administration. Yeah, as if anti-vax, black salve, and cancer woo just weren't cutting it. Yeah, yeah. also uh, homophobia. Yeah, so Dr. Oz is obviously a terrible, dangerous person to be in charge of stuff like national health. But against all odds... Trump actually out-eviled himself with one of his other appointees for the same council. And if you follow American football at all, you already know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Trump chose the Donald Trump of the NFL, <laughs> Bill Belichick. Yeah, right, because when I said I couldn't hate that guy more, he thought to himself, you know what, Noah, they also said I couldn't beat the Rams with a sixth-round rookie quarterback. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah, so uh, that's right. Trump went with the unlawful evil head coach of the New England Patriots <laughs> who cheated his way to five Super Bowl wins with that team. Belichick, the, the, the fucking Patriot fans are going to cut in and say, well, he didn't cheat in all of them. He cheated only cheated in three that we know of for sure. <laughs> yeah, right. And also a bunch of those seasons and those wins during those seasons. He was sanctioned for it. Yeah. yeah. Check it out. Belichick, I mean, he's Donald Trump if Donald Trump were intelligent. Right. And, and somehow even more sick and sloppy looking. <laughs> Bel Belichick, he's like, he's all lumpy. He's always wearing cutoff sweatshirts. He looks like a tumor at a gym in 1985 <laughs> working out. All sweaty. He's gross. And now he's teaming up with Dr. Oz to manage health and nutrition for our gravy-addled fucking country. <laughs> horrible. All right, guys, look, I'm all for sports rivalries, which is what I assume you were just talking about. I even hate people who call themselves patriots, so I'm all with you. But I'm just saying, until we find out Belichick was doing coffee enemas in the locker room, I'm still saying <laughs> Oz is worse. Oz is my choice for the worst pick. And upon realizing we're arguing about which comic book villain is the worst pick for a presidential appointment, I need a break. <laughs> so we're going to close off the headlines there. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Belichick is Thanos. And when we come back, that music in the background will fade back out. Uh, Miss Governor, Miss Governor, uh, you're receiving a lot of criticism about signing this new heartbeat bill. Uh, what do you have to say to those who accuse you of trading your rights for political capital? Thank you. It's a good question. I want to point out that these are not my rights. OK, it's like half a jar of peanut butter down there. Gross, Miss Governor. It's like an old book down there in a children's movie. Just right. Uh, OK, uh, question. Miss um, Governor. What do you say to those who point out that this will make it impossible for most women to get health care that they need in your state? That's fine. That's fine. They can go to another state, um, pretty much any other state except Mississippi. Right. And that doesn't, like, worry you? Uh, no. Good question. It's actually part of my plan to drive every woman in the state that isn't me away. Why? Uh, ups my chances. Need all the help I can get. Look like a somehow meaner Marishka Hargitay. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's true. You you do look exactly like that. But um, isn't that kind of extreme? The whole plan. I mean, whatever gets a hot dog jammed back into this birdhouse, right? Okay. Okay. Gross. 
I am, yes. No more questions. Thank you. I didn't want to ask any more, any more questions. I like wish you would. Peanut butter, like, yeah, like the all natural with does you, the oil come to the top? Yeah, you leave it alone long enough, and it just chunks up. <laughs> hey, podcast listener, do you want to see the guys live? Do you like Tom and Cecil from Cognitive Dissonance? Well, then don't miss Citation Needed live in Chicago, Saturday, August 11th. It's our only planned live show for the year because Noah and Heath are moving. Who said, which box do we put the spoons in? Moving is largely about boxes. But that's not all. Hold on to your vagina. Because for the first time, the boys are bringing Platinum Night to Chicago. This exclusive event is limited to just 30 attendees, includes dinner, drinks, and a never-to-be-recorded live citation needed just for you. For me? Yeah, for you. So check the show notes for tickets and buy them fast because they're selling like hotcakes. Those are still hotcakes. Citation needed live. Come to the show or I'll kill your dad. Wait, you'll kill their dad? Kill their dad. <laughs> Fizzle at the end there. <laughs> Although the attribution is disputed, for the purposes of this intro, it was Mark Twain who once said, The best cure for Christianity is a thorough reading of the Bible. And as much as I'm inclined to agree, reading the Bible is worse than chemotherapy. So we'd like to add a spoonful of sugar to that prescription with another edition of Bible Peace Theater. Last time on Bible Peace Theater. Hey, God, I ate the apple you made and put right in front of me. Get the fuck out of my garden. And now on with the show. Thanks so much for inviting me back, guys. Yeah, yeah no thanks problem. for coming, yep. bro. Hey, guys, is someone making cream of mushroom soup? Uh, hi, Bryce. I don't smell like soup. You somehow smell like all the soups at once. It's true. You, you, you kind of do. Exactly do. Like that, uh, all right, listen, guys. I agreed to do Bible Peace Theater, but I'm not going to do it if you're just going to make fun of me the whole time. We're not. We're, uh, trust me, dude. We're not. Yeah, yeah. Bryce, you got a really important part this week. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. You could say it's super important. God damn it. (laughs) And so it came to pass that Adam had two sons, Abel, who was strong and good and loved the Lord. Hi. And Cain, who was a total douche nozzle. A douche nozzle? I hate you guys. Lord, I brought you an offering of the finest flocks from my field. Ooh, what are we talking about? Playboy bunny? Porn star? Huh? What what kind of thing? No, no, uh... Flocks. Oh, okay. Well, sheep will do in a pinch. For what? For never mind. Never mind what it's for. Cain, Cain, what did you bring me? Change the subject. I brought you fruit of the ground that I till as an offering. It's vegan. Yeah, I heard that before. I mean, they were vegan. So anyway, you brought me fruit. Yeah, yeah. I I till the ground and... uh, Oh, no, no, no. I get it. You're bringing a gift to the creator of the universe and you... You went with an edible arrangement, like a bad boyfriend who forgot Valentine's Day. It's fine. You, you don't like it. I like that you brought something. 
Okay, but that doesn't mean that you like it. I mean, I'm willing to make you a federal judge if that's what you're asking. What? You'll do that for anyone. I know. Woof. Sorry, uh, sorry that God was so hard on you, man. Yeah, seems kind of dickish. Yeah, what are you going to do, right? Yeah, no, no shit, I suppose so. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, he didn't have to do that to your face, though. What, well, do, do what to my face? Oh, we're not, um, nothing. No, never mind, nothing. Hey, uh, look over there. It's, it's a woman we're not related to. Where? Ha, what happened to your face? A rock, that's what. Lou, 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 doing some farmer stuff. Farmer stuff is my favorite stuff. Do, 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 do. Kane, have you seen Abel? The sheep he gave me is dead. Never mind what happened to it. Have you seen him? I need, need a new sheep for something. I, I mean, am I my brother's keeper? I mean, yeah, there's like four people on Earth right now, and you guys are two of them. I was kind of hoping you'd like keep tabs on the other guy. Yeah, well, I didn't do that, so... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you just tweet, totes killed my brother, LOL, hashtag what happened to your face? <laughs> what happened to your face? Classic. <laughs> no, <clears throat> I mean, no, no, absolutely not. Oh, that is it. You killed my sheep guy, Kane, uh, and I'm going to oh. curse you. A fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be. Oh, wait. You mean like I won't have a family or a city to call home? No, you'll actually have a family and you'll, you'll found a whole city, so. So the words fugitive and vagabond kind of mean... Uh, right. They mean, they mean I'm mad at you, right? It's like a Joe Arpaio situation. Uh, like oh, I say it. But okay, it but, but here's the thing. Like, everyone, like... Uh, wait, when you say everyone, you mean the two other people left on Earth at this point, right? Right. People are going to know that I'm a murderer and they're going to kill me. Oh, yeah. They probably will. Okay, so well, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. Wait, whoever kills a murderer is seven times worse than a murderer? That's what it says in the book. Seems like a weird system, especially since I'm the first person to do this. Yeah, you want to get murdered or not? No, I do not. Do not. Okay, no. so come here. I'm going to mark you. Okay, mark a cane. Um, what do you guys want to do for it? Uh, what if, just a suggestion, he and his whole family smell like soup forever? I will kill you! See? See? Curse of Cain, right there. So violent. Guys, stop. Stop. What what does the book say? Oh, well, there's a Jewish tradition that God had Cain followed by a black dog forever. What? I want a dog. I'll kill a guy right now. I want a dog. Okay, okay. Let's let's table that. Big black lab just for killing a guy. That's awesome. Dog meat. Quick to respond to that. Okay, so uh, it it's actually says here that some people believe it was a horn growing out of his head. Ooh. Yeah, I feel like that'd be kind of obvious, right? Hey, come here often? Hey, you're Kane, right? What, this? No, no, <clears throat> I'm, I'm some other guy. Some other guy with a horn growing out of his head? Yeah. Really? What's your name? K- mm, Kaden. Kaden. Yeah, Caden. Right. I'm going to go do shots with my friends. So horny. I'm really ashamed of that sketch, guys. Or we could do what the Mormons believe. 
Ooh, Mormons are always fun. That's it. You are mocked forevermore. There you go. You turn my skin black? Yep, forever cursed. Okay, I don't really see how that's a curse. Yeah, just wait till you get pulled over for speeding. No, I wasn't thinking that Mormon belief. I mean, yes, that was a huge part of Mormonism, but I mean something that Mormons think today. Good, yeah, because I was really not looking forward to Eli's ideas on, on that bit. Guys, I went upstairs to my room. I got grease paint. Bryce, here's nope. your cane nope. and your hat. Cane? Take your cane. Take no. your cane. Mm. Bry- Bryce, Bryce, you had a, a different idea? Eli had blackface and a cane ready really fast. Yeah, we try <laughs> to ignore always has that. Them. Yep, um, all the time. So, so Bryce, okay. what do Mormons believe was the mark of Cain? The following is what a tremendous amount of Mormons actually believe. This week on Finding Bigfoot. I'm cryptozoologist McCain McBain. And I'm Mormon theologian brother Matt Wholesome. And we're searching... Bigfoot. As I was saying, according to many Mormons, based on Bigfoot sightings near the location of the Garden of Eden in Missouri and, and Bigfoot's long lifespan, he must be the cursed and immortal Cain, forever doomed to wander the other areas of... of... What was that? Let's check it out. Lou, 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 just doing some Bigfoot stuff. Bigfoot stuff is always my favorite stuff to do. Lou, Lou. Wow, there he is. Cain, son of Adam, in the flesh. For some reason, covered in fur. Also, you'll notice the large feet and the distinct smell of soup. Mm. Okay, that's it. I'm leaving. Oh, Bryce. Bryce. No, come on. I mean, the dude smells like soup, right? A thousand percent, bro. It's like he wears French onion dip mix as cologne, just like poofs it all over. Right? And with Kane, good and punished, and our guest and friend Bryce Blankenagle thoroughly insulted, we'll leave our story there, but tune in next month as we trudge ever further towards the singing eyeball monsters that await us at the end of Bible Peace Theater. Warning, the following sketch contains Infinity War spoilers. Seriously. Why would a sketch on an atheism show have Infinity War spoilers? Well, because sometimes Eli writes a sketch in the middle of the night and he really wants to do that sketch, and when you tell him it has nothing to do with atheism, he threatens to do stuff that you comfort yourself later by pretending he was kidding about. So, if you haven't seen Infinity Wars and you don't want anything spoiled, fast forward two minutes or just skip the outro. Your choice. Last chance. All right. Uh, Lord Thanos? Enter. Who are you? I'm Alan. I'm new. Like, you know, because everybody else is, you know, dead. Right, right. Hello, Alan. Hi. Uh, so me and the guys were thinking about your plan for the for the glove thing. It's a the, gauntlet. It's, it's a gauntlet, Right. Alan. No, right, right. So so this, this gauntlet, it gives you the power to do... Anything, right? Yes. Anything. 
Okay, and so you and you used it to kill half of the universe because the universe is finite, Alan. Each planet has only so much to give, and living things take more than they give back. I had no choice. Right, right. Uh, well, we were thinking, what if instead of killing half the universe, you just you know just doubled up everything else, you just make the universe twice as big? Then, uh. You wouldn't have to, uh... Wow. Or, or, hell, four times as big, so there's there's even more extra stuff. Alan, you just blew my fucking mind. I... I, I gotta admit, I feel... I feel stupid right now. Oh, real no, stupid. Thanos, don't, uh, don't no, beat yourself up. No, I killed a bunch of people for these stones, and I gotta admit, I gotta admit, I feel like if... This had been my plan, the double the universe thing. I wouldn't have had to do that. No, you probably wouldn't have. I mean, oh, shit, Alan, I killed my daughter. I, I know you did, sir. And then half the universe. Yeah, bunch of Avengers. Really wish we had picked you up last week. Me too, sir. Did, okay, did I kill half of everything? I mean, it looks like it, but honestly, we've we've lost a lot of admin over the last couple of days because you know, you killed half the universe. Killed half so, the universe. Yeah. I know. Oh, I feel like such a tool. Oh, don't don't do that. I threw her off a cliff, Alan. I I know you did. It was one of those like don't want to look situations, but I looked, Alan. I looked. I bet it was like someone dropped a watermelon. Okay. Before we recede into your already played list, I want to thank all the people that came out and saw my talk in Syracuse last week, and I want to thank the Central New York Humanists one more time for the invite. You're the ones on the front line of this fight, the local group organizers and attendees, and you deserve a lot more recognition than you get. Anyway, that's all the blast we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Monday, an even newer episode of our sister show's Hot Friend God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, and an even newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this episode would ring hollow if I neglected to thank Heath Enright for his Oscar Wilde wordsmithing skills. I need to thank Eli Bosnick for his Oscar Meyer-like physique. And I need to thank the lovely Lucinda for keeping my Oscar the Grouch-like persona at bay. Never more obvious than when she's gone. She's going to be out for the next couple of weeks. She's down in Georgia taking care of her dad, but she misses you and she promises to be back as soon as possible. I need to thank Bryce one more time for putting up with our shit. Also want to thank Steve from the Sunday Stoic Podcast for providing this week's Farsworth quote. If you're a Stoic who's yearning for more, you're doing it wrong. But Steve would be happy to help. You'll find his show linked in the show notes. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's best people. Bob, Donna, Paul, Max, George, Eileen, Simon, Michael, Patrick, Tommy, Paul, Derek, Melissa, Kia, Nathan, Matthew, Samantha, and Skylar. Bob, Donna, Paul, Max, George, and Eileen, whose IQs are higher than my social security number. Simon, Michael, Patrick, Tommy, Paul, and Derek, whose orgasms are what got Mount Kilauea so jealous in the first place. And Melissa, Kia, Nathan, Matthew, Samantha, and Skyler, who are so sexy, Michael Cohen gave them 130 grand just in case. Together, these 18 ageless atheists aided our asocial alienation of the Abrahamic a-holes this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the fine taste in crowdfunding it takes to give us money, but if you think you're up to the challenge, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash where whereby you'll earn early access to an extended 
send an ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help by donating to Atheist Shows as Against Your Religion, you can also help a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, liking us on Facebook, sharing our new YouTube video, and telling a friend about the show. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. I'm way out of it. I haven't slept in a while. My wife's not here. Sorry, you need Morgan. Lucinda. Get yeah. get in the bed with him, Heath. Just cuddle it. <laughs> Big spoon. Sorry. One one more time. I'm I like that little spoon. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm LLC. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.